In a world full of confusing conversations that divides the world into black and white, our hosts invite listeners to abandon duality and live in the gray. By approaching each topic with unapologetic boldness, clarity, and nuance, even we know that leans into the opportunity to say the quiet parts out loud. Now, here are our hosts, LaToya Green and Kat Schwarz. Welcome everyone to Even We Know That on the Inspired Choices Network. My name is Kat Schwarz and I'm here with my co-host Latoya Green. I'll tell you a little bit about myself. My name is Kat Schwarz. As I said, I'm the CEO and founder of Compassionate Healing Services, a former physical therapist turned Reiki Master of Masters, complex trauma and suicide prevention specialist, accessible yoga teacher, uh, many roles, many hats that I wear. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, Toya, before we get into the topic of today's show. Owner of Higher Definition Leadership and Empowerment Coaching, an organization that is committed to connecting and making a relationship out of leadership and empowerment and really exposing that in small groups and individuals and government agencies uh, and entities around this country. Uh, I've been able to do some facilitating and some training of leaders of now and leaders of the future. Um, in addition to that, <clears throat> professor at Cal State Fullerton, Human Communication Studies, also uh, an argument scholar, a uh, debate coach, and somebody who just looks to have a good conversation, which is how we ended up right here at Inspire Choices Network. So super excited to be here with Kat, another Wednesday, another beautiful opportunity to connect with you folks. And today's conversation is really about uh, healing, right? I think um, after we've talked about so many different types of traumas, we've talked about complex PTSD, we talked about PTSD, which we'll call out by name in this conversation, uh, talking about being neurodivergent and how both those experiences uh, are shaped from the day to day, but also how we come into understanding our neurodivergences, talking about fat phobia. We've just been having a great slate of conversations. And I, so I think healing ends up being a really timely and meaningful conversation to start to tie a lot of that together. Because as you deal with trauma, as you push through trauma, as you confront trauma, right, we got to start to heal from it or work through some of it. So much so that, you know, part of the reason I wanted to talk about uh, trauma with you or really talk about healing with you, Kat, was, you know, I was thinking about just the the kind of new referendum for building relationships, right? A lot of people, you know, it, before, previously, previous to recently, in my opinion, or at least from my perspective, would say, you know, if you want to be in a relationship or if you want to build a healthy friendship or if you want to whatever, you need to come with your business in order, right? Be about something, have a job, have some money, have, you know, this list of things together. But here more recently, as we fixated and started to put more attention on mental health, right, and the relationships people have with themselves and with others, I've, I've noticed that be healed is right, like this this list of things that is the new expectation for people moving in and out of meaningful relationships is come with your stuff together. Come having taken the time out and doing the work to piece together who you are. That way you and your issues and you and your traumas and you and your baggage and you and some of what you emanate doesn't rub off on me. Right. I got my own stuff I'm working through and dealing with. And so I thought healing was I mean, of course, we always going through something. <laughs> Let's be honest, like me and Kat, um, often when we meet to plan for the show and to plan for other things, kind of have a, a, a moment 
to just talk about all the nonsense and about an hour of personal stuff. And they're like, wait, don't we have work to do? You know what I'm saying? But honestly, it's the it's cathartic, right? It, it's something that helps us feel not only our feelings, but feel them in a way that is honored, that is respected, that there's space for and allows for you to sift through and work through your things. You know, we 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 honor saying the quiet parts out loud. And so sometimes you can't really do that until you get with somebody you can trust and you get in a safe space and you get in a place where you're ready to work through some of that, right? And so I feel like just healing means a lot. And it's always timely. It's always a good time to talk about healing and to explore what that means from moment to moment and from person to person. And so, uh, I mean, I, I think I've spent some time packaging why I think healing is so important, but what do what do we mean by healing? In, in, in developing this conversation and catalyzing it, how would you define healing, especially as a, uh, you know, a, a trauma specialist? Well, um, I like to simplify things as much as possible. And of course, the universe is always speak to, speaking to us. And as I prepared for a conversation with you on healing, which to many degrees, I feel like we owe the listeners, right? We've spoken so much about trauma specifically, mm -hmm. and neurodivergence with the amazing consciously. And I believe it was in the episode with him in which I, you know, um, reiterated someone else's saying that when you don't heal, you really do spend a lifetime bleeding over the people that never cut you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So mm -hmm. healing, as you as you alluded to, really is um, our responsibility. Yeah. Although we have to very much so start taking, stop putting the onus on individuals to heal societal issues. Right. right? So we're in no way um, alluding to or saying that healing is... Um, a, that that healing is possible for everybody. Bless you. Excuse in me. Fact, I've I've said probably on our in our time together and certainly in other um, broadcasts that healing truly is a privilege in our current society. And yes, yet yes. it's so common, right? Because of what we've spoken about with complex trauma, specifically the adverse childhood experiences study and how trauma is a public health crisis, right? And we've spoken about many different kinds of trauma. And then even last week's conversation in regards to the ego versus the intuition was very much foundational to what we'll talk about today, which yes. is um, you know, in our second segment, we'll get more into uh, shadow work, right? That's the work. Um, that, that's how we heal the ego, because really what we're healing as we um, as we talk about healing, we're healing traumas, we're healing because um, it's not so much what happens to us that's impactful. It's how we conceptualize what happened to us or the story that we tell ourselves about what happened to us mm. or how we internalize those um you know, the, the things that other people told us about ourselves, whether that be our family or our societies or, you know, abusive exes and things of that nature. Sure. Right. So um, so as I, I started to say, though, in its simplest term, as I as I was preparing for this conversation, I heard um, one you know uh, fellow spiritual teacher talk about how healing really at its root is about acceptance, mm -hmm. that accepting that what happened to you happened to you right? You cannot change events that have happened, whether it be the more PTSD causing, um, um, you know, moments in time that are incredibly, uh, for instance, I have a friend with PTSD who was at the finish line of the Boston Marathon bombing, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's a, an example of a, an, an event that causes, um, you know, a, a PTSD symptomology. Whereas with complex trauma, as we've discussed, it's really more about what ha the traumas that occurred to us in relationship, specifically mm -hmm. in relationship to our caregivers, right? Our caregivers as children. And you're, you brought it up earlier in, in our your introduction about how um, relationships are a huge part of how we um, 
how we navigate the world. Really, your the, the quality of your life and the quality of your relationships are mirror images of one another. Mm. Okay. Because it really is about the relationship that you have with yourself. Are are you actively um, healing the, the the traumas that occur to us, not just in childhood, but on a daily basis? Right. <laughs> okay? Have you done the shadow work necessary in order to um, bring the unconscious things, the things that are unconscious to you into conscious awareness? Um, yeah. So, so, you know, and then, of course, as I said, the universe is speaking to us is just this one, this uh, one spiritual teacher was bringing up the idea of um, healing being acceptance. I had um, another a class that I'm taking talk about there's a man named Donnie Epstein that talks about how healing is about the three A's and those A's are um, acceptance, right. acknowledgement and awareness right? So bringing in those three aspects, because you can't heal. And we'll talk about this more um, in segment two with shadow work, you cannot heal what you have not acknowledged, or what you have not brought awareness to, mm-hmm. right? So, and these are ways in which, uh, while, you know, healing certainly is a privilege and one that's not readily accessible to most, um, these types of, of, of things, everyone can do. Right. It doesn't cost money to bring awareness, acceptance and acknowledgement to the things that have happened to you and to the ways in which that is impacting you in your current life. You know, when you think when you list those three A's, too, and I don't want to misappropriate what, you know, um, Donnie Epstein meant and, you know, with those three A's. But I also see them in relationship to healing um, as a part of how you pull yourself out of the rut that sometimes you find yourself in, right? Traumas put you in a place and that place can feel very cyclical, very um, not changing, very inert, right? Not a lot of action, a lot of not a movement. I'm just here kind of in this stuck, broken, hurt feeling. And so accepting the fact that something happened to you, acknowledging that there are other options or there are other ways you are allowed to feel that you are allowed to release yourself from this moment or this space and acknowledging, right, various past, various people, various stimuli, various things around you that are options for you outside of this place that you've been put based on your trauma, right? So I think not only do you have to have those types of 3A confrontations with the trauma itself, but I also think you should use those 3As as lines of flight, right, of trajectories away from re-traumatizing yourself or allowing for at least you to be responsible for some of that trauma. Because I mean, of course you didn't hurt you, but you do have power, right after post that trauma to decide when it's time for you to be free, when it's time for you to move again, to live again, to smile again, to thrive again, you do have a say in that matter. And that's true in the deepest of traumas, right? We're going to get to kind of my take on some of that. And, 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 and when we get through some other parts of the conversation and determining what healing is versus what it's not, but I think those three A's you know, are very explanatory of just how you find yourself as you attempt to reorient yourself post-trauma post-complex trauma, post-life experiences, post-hurt, post-disappointment from the people who you never expect to do those things to you or people who are supposed to be caregivers to you, right? Absolutely, and one of the more impactful things that I did on my own mental health healing journey, although that's ongoing for for certain, it was called dialectical behavior therapy, more commonly known as DBT. Mm-hmm. And that takes it even in a step further because DBT, which was created by and for those with borderline personality disorder, which I'm quite familiar with from a, a relationship that I'm, I'm in. And um, 
the the creator, her name is Marsha Linehan, she herself suffered with borderline personality disorder, which is a, one of the more lethal mental health disorders. The, the um, suicide rate for BPD is quite high. And when she was receiving treatment back in the late 60s, early 70s as a teenager, she, when she left after two years, I believe it was in a lockdown mental health unit, you know, she wasn't better, you know, kind of like me, she did everything quote right, and nothing was working for her. So she said, you know what, I'm going to figure it out on my own. And she mm. did, <laughs> like so many women before her, she did. And um, she had a, uh, she got a PhD in um, psychiatry, psychology, I believe. Um, she had a spiritual awakening, which was also part of my story. And she mm. spent, I believe, over eight months in a Buddhist ashram, really uh, studying mindfulness and the breaking mindfulness down into its component parts. And what she created is truly brilliant. And the the main dialectic and what that word means is paradox. That's just a oh. fancy word for paradox. The main dialectic of DVT is that in order for in order to change anything about yourself or in your life, you have to first fully accept it, right? You cannot change what you have not fully accepted. Okay. And those are, you know, they're seemingly paradoxical statements, but that's what makes DBT so powerful is so much of what makes mental illness, or we can even break it down into the ego versus the intuition, so lethal is that there's this real black and white thinking, right? And you'll hear in the intro of our show or, you know, in the breaks that we like to, we like to explore the gray. gray. Gotta live in the gray. Right. And you have to understand the nuances because it's one thing to bring something into awareness or even acknowledgement and maybe acceptance, but unless the acceptance of that thing causes a change in your life, then what's really healed, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Isn't healing more about, you know, at the end of the day, behavior change, right? Oh, that would, that would seemingly be the, um, the benefit, the benefit to healing. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, when we look at whether it's worth it, right? In the face of the, cause there's a lot of labor, there's a lot of uh, work, that goes into making the decision to heal, right? And so the paradoxical relationship, sometimes we have to wanting to feel better, wanting to be better, wanting to have power and control again of our own situation, but also acknowledging pain and traumas is real, right? Everything in us tells us that we should downplay, should undermine, to slide, should slide, slide to the side a lot of what has happened to us. So it's a constant negotiation, a tug and a pull to figure out just the inroad right, into kind of a path outward, right? They say you can't go around some things. A lot of times you have to go straight through. And this is uh, reflective of that to me. What were you saying before we take our break? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, what you just alluded to is that, um, you know, that's why I think we spend so much time acknowledging and validating micro traumas or small mm-hmm. traumas, right? In the in the episode with, with um, Consciously, we, he gave the example of never having a, a single family member show up to his baseball games, right? Mm-hmm. And that might seem... Um, like something little, but on, on a consistent basis, when you don't feel supported, validated by your own family, right, that is traumatizing. And that was the least of what he went through. I mean, right. you know, I don't mean, want in any way, um, take away from the power of that episode and how he was, you know, admitting to all 10 of those adverse childhood experiences. But no matter what you've gone through, if it was impactful to you, it was impactful to you. And it is something you do need to heal from. If you have a trauma around something, even a a, a more micro uh, level trauma, 
it is something that if you don't heal, it's going to um, show itself um, through the ego, right? So we'll, we're definitely going to talk about that next segment as we uh, go into this break and we will be back soon. We were going to talk more about healing from trauma. This is even we know that on the Inspired Choices Network and we'll talk to you. We'll see you soon. Trauma, spirituality, and intersectionality are common threads that tie our life experiences together. Understanding trauma, exploring spirituality as a tool to heal, and looking at it all through an intersectional lens is what makes our show unique. By tuning into Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Kat Schwarz, you will gain valuable insight and clarity on the issues that affect us most, whether you realize it or not. Tune in on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Kat Schwarz. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to evenweknowthat at gmail.com. Now back to the program. Great to have you back on Even We Know That. Make sure you find us anywhere you listen to your podcast. We are on a number, an innumerable amount of platforms. We're also on YouTube. You can find us all over Instagram. We're even on LinkedIn, right? So just look for Even We Know That. Look for myself. Look for Kat. And that is what you'll find a lot of these conversations we're referring back to, as well as looking forward to the conversation we'll have about gaslighting. We'll unpack that. That's next week's conversation. And we'll unpack that a little bit closer to the end of the show. But just a lot of great conversations for you to jump into. Um, I wanted to bring it back on, you know, this kind of idea that healing is acceptance, right? We have a basic kind of fundamental explanation and definition for what healing is as acceptance. But I also wanted to get into what healing is not. Right. And I think that is something that is important for people as they go through and as they even question, right, how do you heal the, the right way? Right. I want to be clear that there's no right or wrong way to heal, but there are certain things that are just not really reflexive of a healing process or a trajectory. What we say in argumentation, a telos, right, which is an orientation toward an endpoint that would lead you to have truly uh, grappled with and accepted in a meaningful way the traumas you've experienced. And so I say that, and I, I kind of have a controversial opinion, and we're going to see if it's controversial or not. Um, I would love your perspective. Chat, if you are, you know, participating in the conversation, I want to hear your take, uh, because I don't think healing is is necessary and necessarily analogous with closure, right? Mm -hmm. And that is a, a phrase a lot of times that I think we throw into a process when we are trying to move away from a trauma is that there is this uh, standard or this expectation that you go and get closure, right? That you go and have that last final conversation, that you do 
all of these very symbolic and in my perspective, uh, performative things to close a book. And so it's controversial to me because, you know, I've ended relationships with people, Kat, and it's really funny um, because I've been criticized for uh, ending the relationship and then not really having a lot of conversation. I remember a very big long-term conversation, uh, I'm sorry, relationship that I was in where I felt disrespected, I felt violated, I felt harmed and wronged in some way. And so a series of text messages goes back and forth. And I think I responded to the thread of text messages with a hearty thumbs up. And then I literally <laughs> jumped out of the text conversation, deleted the number out the phone, deleted the name out of the phone because I deleted the text thread because I didn't feel committed or obligated to dredge through the rest of that. I feel like I knew everything I needed to know. Yeah. I feel like I took from that experience everything I needed to take. I feel like I had given that person another enough airtime and enough power. And I didn't feel like the emotional labor of really going through those things. And a lot of people are like, oh, you shouldn't have done it like that. And here recently, here's what's funny. Here recently, I had a chance to, to converse with that person. And now, you know, uh, three years later, I finally got them together real quick. I said what I needed to say, got a couple things off my chest that I didn't really get to handle then. And again, I slid them back out of my life and back out of relevance and moved on. So what's your take on closure? Do you think, what is what is the relationship, if any, between healer, healing and the process of closure that I feel like everybody expects for us to have to go to where we sit with this person and say whatever to make everybody feel better? I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think I, I agree with you. And I, you know, I, I guess I have a, a similarly controversial take that forgiveness is not necessary for healing as well. And I think it's, I think it, it's for similar reasons. And the reason I say forgiveness is not necessary, it's, it's not, well, first of all, not everyone is deserving of our um, forgiveness in that it's hard to forgive people that don't ask, right? Or never admit that they did anything wrong or are really in their ego as far as their projections and their defensive mechanisms and, um, you know, uh, blaming blaming perhaps you for um, for their poor behavior and things of that nature. So, you know, I think it's, it's more than fine to be selective in who you personally decide that you want to communicate with just because we've had a relationship. I firmly believe that relationships are for a reason, a season, or a lifetime, right? Oh. Hello? mostly a reason in a season, <laughs> right? Hello. So, um, so I think that's important, but while forgiveness is not necessary and closure is not necessary in order to truly heal that, because, you know, we, we were talking about this, we came up with a, a, another few words that healing is not like performative, right? You can't, uh, you can't pretend that you're healed, right? If every time you think of that person, you feel pain, right? Or you feel something, then it's rather than closure or forgiveness, really what you're looking for is a, is a way to take your attention away from that person, right? It's not about thinking about a person or an event and all of a sudden feeling good or feeling happy. You're not necessarily happy that that person hurt you or cheated on you or that abused you or that thing happened that, you know, has caused this PTSD or complex PTSD, you know, um, I think that's that really goes hand in hand with spiritual bypassing, right? This idea that we that we have to have only positive, happy emotions. That's not how this works. If you go back, and I hope you do, to our, our conversation last week about intuition versus ego, I talk about where our emotions come from and how really they're guidance and they're messengers right. and they should not be ignored, right? If someone consistently makes you feel anger when you're around them, pay attention to that. Right. <laughs> That's your intuitive body saying, hey, there's something wrong here, right? Or this is mirroring a wound 
wound in my childhood or in my attachment bonding. You know, these are um, very, very important concepts to understand if healing is a priority for you. I mean, absolutely. And, you know, alongside that, when I think about, you know, healing and closure and forgiveness, I just really want to warn people against uh, expectations, right? When you kind of have and you tether forgiveness onto healing or when you tether these moments, these grandiose moments of closure onto healing, you go into the process with an expectation that you just really might walk away, might not, might not walk away with. Right. You have. And, and this is where I get into I, when I was talking about healing, being performative, I was kind of thinking along the lines of how we've been taught the ways to heal from something in very formulaic and episodic ways. Right. TV says and movies say when somebody breaks up with you or when a relationship is broken or when you're struggling, you have to slam the door and lean up against the wall and then slowly crawl, slide down it. And you have to cry and you don't want to eat for a week or a month or you're not taking calls at this time and you're not, you're like, it, it doesn't have to look like that, right? And these are these performative gestures, these th moments. And that's why I was just like healing and closure don't have to be the same thing because I can heal without giving more time, giving more energy, giving more space. My healing is, shout out to Maxine Waters, a, a, a reclamation of my time. I'm reclaiming my time in those moments. And so I just, I, I think it allows for us when we look for and anticipate this, this moment where I forgive you and, you know, I release you and uh, that person don't care. That person is sleeping at night. That person is okay. They hurt you. They violated you. They traumatized you. And so the labor, the emotional, intellectual labor we put into wrapping our minds around what happening, then reckon, reckoning with it in a very particular way that we saw on TV or in a movie. And then, you know, coming back around and, and having these expectations that this person is going to give you the apology that you, I want closure. A lot of times I just, I feel like ends up being an excuse to sit and to hear, I want to hear yes. you say, and, and so a lot of times it does not come. And so we have to, not that if, if you, if that's really going to make you feel better, seek those moments out, leave space for them. If you feel like doing that tearing and that works for you, cool. But I just don't want that to be a referendum for what it means for you to get over something, to move through something, to accept something that you need to hear from this person again, and that a conversation needs to be had, or you need some incubation period right, to feel what you've been feeling, and I mean, I, I think we were talking about, you know, even with, we know complex PTSD, largely reflective of your, your past life experiences, childhood experiences, experiences with, with of trauma with people who are supposed to be protecting you, caring about you, uh, um, invested in your well-being, the difference between PTSD, where there's a specific event, you talked about the Boston Marathon, and about something specific triggering the way that people understand their healing. So holding those intention, we were always also talking about too, the fact that healing might not be a single shot event, right? Healing will probably exist on a spectrum. It will look like the stock market. Well, it's up one day and down the next and be very jagged with a lot of peaks and valleys because healing is a process and not a destination. In what ways, Kat, can you kind of unpack that from your perspective? The idea that healing will always be a process and never a destination. Yeah, I mean, for me, healing is never done, right? Yeah. Healing, nor is it linear, like you just alluded to. You're going to go up one day, you're going to take maybe five steps forward and three steps back, or two steps forward and 10 steps back. You know, it can be um, 
um, a very long and very painful process. I I, tr I do truly believe, though we may heal from our past events, that we do go, do go through more micro traumas on for some of us in near da daily basis, especially depending on the families that we're in. Mm -hmm. And what you were talking about before um, reminded me that I think one of the it's really important to understand that you're never going to heal in the same environment that made you sick, right? Yeah. Nor are you ever going to heal in the same mindset that made you sick or around the same people that made you sick. So, you know, in many ways, closure for one person might be re-traumatizing for another, mm -hmm. right? You know, mm -hmm. and that's why mm -hmm. healing has to be such a personal journey. Because if you think about it, really, when we talk about expectations or, you know, being disappointed, expectations are the problem. It's, it, you know, we would never be disappointed without the expectation in place right, right right so and that's why really any relationship that if you are expecting another person to make you happy you're basically looking for love in all the wrong places mm -hmm. it has to come from you it's your relationship with yourself that you really need to heal in order to attract in a partner that's healthy for you and that's not just trauma bonded Right. Let's talk a little bit more about that concept. What does that mean to be trauma bonded with somebody? Because we hear that a lot. And I think you, um, when we were preparing for this conversation, give me the definition that you, um, do you remember what you said? Well, yeah. And, and then some gaslighting is going to be another great opportunity where we'll yeah. get into some of this trauma bonding. But uh, contrary to the common misconception of trauma bonding, trauma bonding is not when you latch on to somebody else who's have a, had a serious, uh, a similar trauma that you've experienced, right? So trauma bonding is not where it's like, oh, your, your mom and dad were terrible to you. My parents were terrible too. Let's link up and be bonded through that. Trauma bonding rather is when the source of your trauma, the source of your pain, the source of your abuse is so strong or has such a strong connection with you that it makes it difficult for you to leave and detach yourself from those bonds, from those relationships. Thus, you end up kind of circling the drain in a very ironic way because the very source of your pain ends up also being a source of where you find gratification, where you find hope, where you find joy. And it's that twisted manipulatory capacity of trauma to then kind of make you seem reliant on that person or that individual or that source of your trauma as something you need to function. When in reality, breaking that relationship is where you kind of break that trauma bond. And right. like so easy to identify when you really look at the people who you've allowed to stay tethered to your life, even as you've outgrown them, you've outgrown where you've been, you've had this reckoning, you've had this moment of acceptance, but it's incomplete because you still feel wedded and connected to whoever that was before. We're going to get into more of this because you you mentioned also too a phrase earlier in, in the form of shadow work that we want to connect and put in the link chain of talking about healing. So we'll take a quick break here on Even We Know That with Kat and Toya. We'll uh, uh, unplug and then plug back in here in just a moment. Trauma, spirituality, and intersectionality are common threads that tie our life experiences together. Understanding trauma, exploring spirituality as a tool to heal, and looking at it all through an intersectional lens is what makes our show unique. By tuning into Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Kat Schwarz, you will gain valuable insight and clarity on the issues that affect us most, whether you realize it or not. Tune in on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. 
Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows, along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. This is Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Catch Wars. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to evenweknowthat at gmail.com. Now back to the program. Hello, welcome back to Even We Know That on the Inspired Choices Network. My name is Kat Schwartz. I'm here with my co-host LaToya Green. Please be sure to download the Inspired Choices Network smartphone app to get access to all of our episodes. This is episode six, I think, of our eight eight episodes that we originally planned for. So um, we're so excited uh, for all the conversations that are out there. Please check them out. Check me out on social media, Instagram at Compassionate Healing Services and Toya at higher definition LEC. And before break, we were talking about all things related to healing, more specifically trauma bonding. And um, I wanted to just add my two cents about that before we move on to shadow work. And I want to first say that it is very uh, possible. And I think Toy and I can really attest to this in our own lives for good people to have a bad relationship, (laughs) right? Not all people who are in trauma bonded relationships or even toxic relationships are bad people. Now, certainly there are um, abusive dynamics, very specifically narcissistic empathic dynamics can be so abusive, it's lethal. That's something we'll definitely get into um, when we speak about gaslighting next week. But um, but hopefully in most cases, it's more about, you know, when two people are codependent rather than having a healthy relationship, when the dynamic is codependent, um, what that can really look like is going along to get along, <laughs> right? Where right. you don't necessarily say the thing that hurt you because you don't want to start the fight or you don't want to, you know, you're walking on eggshells around someone because frankly, your nervous system is already in a heightened state of flight, fight or flight, right? Absolutely. And you know, nobody likes to be in conflict, but the reality is all relationships, regardless of whether it's a romantic relationship, a par- parent, you know, child relationship, friendships, co-workers, no matter uh, strangers sometimes, right? No matter the nature of a relationship, there will be conflict. So it's absolutely necessary mm-hmm. to learn how to do so um, in a healthy way if you're going to have long sustained lifetime relationships. Right. And, you know, certainly that's the goal of all of us, but because, well, you know, not not all, but certainly, well, not everyone's seeking out a romantic partner, you know, you do Mm -hmm. need people in your life. No one is an island. Right. So it's incredibly important that you understand how to have healthy relationships, relationship dynamics. And that's just not something that's taught. And that's something that I want to see change in our schools. Right. That we we learn um, not just the arithmetics and grammar and spelling and, and uh, you know, things like of that nature, but how to have healthy relationships, how to navigate conflict, mm-hmm. how to have emotional intelligence, right? How to recognize trauma and, you know, um, and the healing tools that could be much more readily accessible. Certainly. Right. So, I mean, in terms of some of the key essential components of shadow work, especially if this language in life isn't overly familiar with you, 
um, I want to give five tips to start shadow work, yeah. right? Five tips that'll just kind of get you in a place to really be reflective, really be in a position to do the unworking, to do the uh, reworking, to do the recalibration, to really put yourself ahead and further away from the traumas that you've experienced. And then I also want to, there are like 27 different questions on this list. And I'm going to cite my source. It's a betterup.com. It's an article on betterup.com. So if you Google betterup.com shadow work, this article should pop up for you. But I'm going to read some of the 27 various questions that really get you to starting to peel back some of the layers to understand self, to understand process, to understand trajectory, and to heal through some things. So five tips for starting shadow work. Uh, first is to keep an open mind. Right. Mm -hmm. Which I think makes a lot of sense, because as you explore and look back and think back, some of that could be painful. Some of that could be frustrating. Some some of that could be upsetting. But understanding that this is all for the greater good or the greater purpose of you really sifting through and doing the work. Remember, mm -hmm. I started the conversation saying people want to know, are you healed? Right. Are you coming to me healed? Are you coming to me? So you kind of have to keep an open mind about some of the baggage that you might be drudging up because you're doing it with purpose. Right. A lot of times we end up with stuff back on our plate that we've already discarded because it it is brought back to us or something incites it and it pisses us off and it brings us back to a place we thought we left. But this is on purpose. Right. So keep an open mind. Second is to practice self-compassion. Right. We see the traumas that people did to us. We see the pain that we've experienced. We've seen some of the decisions have been made and it's easy to turn insular and turn in on yourself. Like, well, why did you do that? And you are the problem. And this is where you were at fault in this. Well, that would have never happened if you didn't do this. And well, if you would have just been here or done this, not the time. Right. Your process of healing is the last possible moment that you should be taking to look at where you've done wrong. There are places where we've been complicit. There are places where you can acknowledge that a different decision couldn't have been made, but so what? Forgive yourself, be compassionate to yourself and recognize that regardless of the role you played in it, you are the one doing the heavy lifting now, the emotional heavy lifting now of moving through and transcending those moments. Uh, thirdly is be patient with yourself, both during the exercises and throughout your journey, right? Again, yeah. a lot of our trauma has been a process, not just an event. Right. And a lot of the times the event that even if it was an event, a PTSD type of event that incited some of that pain, it's it's like weight loss, right? You you it takes a long time to 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 get to certain journeys that you have, but it takes this long, this quick for your body. So you just have to be prepared for the long haul, for the process, right? If you're gonna, we talked about intuitive eating on this show. Instead of doing these quick fixes to try to get out of the place that you're in, if you feel like you want to change, take the long way, take yeah. the slow way. Be patient with yourself. And recognize that no change happens overnight. Any change that's worth having and worth sustaining is going to be something where you take your time with yourself and with what's happening around you. Fourth is to carve out time to focus on your shadow work rather than multitasking. So be intentional, mm -hmm. right? Do it on purpose with purpose. Don't think that it's going to happen coincidentally or along, alongside something else. A lot of people who have done shadow work and done the work to heal through things have done so with the goal of saying this is protected time. This is private time. This is a goal. This is my objective. This is what I want to do. And then lastly, take time to reflect on your progress, right? Check in with yourself. Set a specific time, right? In the next three or four weeks, I really want to sit and look back and think about all the things, intentional things I've done to work through and to push through some of the pains and the traumas that I'm working to heal and, and revel in that. Take a moment and feel yourself because you are doing the labor and again, the intellectual heavy lifting, the emotional heavy lifting that a lot of people, a lot of us skip, a lot of us say we don't have time for. 
right? Kat, what is your take on these five tips? It's it's the invisible work, right? You know, it's it's the work that no one else sees you do and yet truly is the hardest work of your life because what you're, you know, you're carving out time to be intentional for, right? What you're being patient with, the reason that this is so important is because of what we talked about last week about how that we all have an ego, right? Mm-hmm. And our ego is what is inherently um, hidden from us or unconscious to us, right? So shadow work is a really about bringing those parts of you or that ego ego part of you into your conscious awareness so that you can through intentionality through patience through self-compassion right through all of the things that you just said um come to a place of acceptance and then change right right so you know when we talk about the you know shadow work again it really is about um it's about bringing the things that you know, we we all tend to um, recognize um, patterns in our life, right? Whether it be patterns in our in our daily habits, the things that we do, um, you know, our addictions, right? We all have addictions um, for sure. Um, whether it be in our relationship patterns, right? Um, bringing awareness to those patterns or those shadows, right? And then healing those absolutely can and does change the the trajectory of your entire life right Right. I mean this is really really important and um I do want to find um there's a a few quotes actually I want to I want to bring um into this one of one is um people who can't control themselves will try to control everything around them that's Mm. that was uh David Schnark um an American psychologist and then uh this was a Oh my goodness, do I not have it on here? Um, I had, I, I sent it to you. There's a great James Baldwin quote, Toya. If you can find it first, feel yeah. free to say it. Um, but, you know, um, I think that his quote really talks about why people avoid this type of work. I don't want to um, paraphrase it um, because it's- I'll so quote good. it directly. It says, I imagine one of the reasons that people cling so stubborn, stubbornly to their hate is they sense once hate is gone, they will be forced to deal with pain, right? Mm -hmm. And I want to read this Baldwin quote again, because it's very poignant. I imagine one of the reasons that people cling so stubbornly to their hate is they sense once hate is gone, they will be forced to deal with that pain. And it's so true, you know, brings it back to what we said earlier in regards to you, you spent a lifetime bleeding over the people who didn't cut you, right? Mm -hmm. And do that to avoid pain, right? Every single thing that we do, whether it's, you know, seek out a relationship or a new, you know, a a new thing item that you want to buy or an experience that you have or healing, right? Anything that you're doing, it's really rooted in the belief because you believe that thing will make you feel better, Mm -hmm. right? We are hardwired to seek comfort. We are hardwired to, um, you know, even when that comfort zone, right, for those of us that grew up in in homes where there was a lot of um, chaotic stress and toxic, you know, um, uh, trauma thing and uh, things of that nature going on, um, you know, your your comfort zone isn't so comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. But that's and that's why we tend to then play out those patterns in our relationships because of the that that core attachment wounding. Right. So this really does all stem back to those earliest experiences that not only affected the development of our nervous system that harkens back to our our conversation on neurodivergence, 
but also then those ego patterns and those ego stories that you're 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 now um, clinging to, attaching to, that are playing out in your adult life, right? See, I, I would be remiss if I didn't, you know, bring up the old colloquialism, hurt people, hurt people, right? right? When you think about then pain that you have not dealt with and not healed from, you still hold that pain. And what do you do? You reallocate that pain. So right. it becomes an opportunity for you to get it off by any and all means. And so since you can't sit with yourself, since you haven't taken the time to cry, since you haven't taken the time to ask some questions or to be patient with yourself or to be self-compassionate about what you went through or all of those other five things that I listed above or just a few moments ago, you, you dole it out to people because you can take it. You've been taking it for years. You've been taking it. You've been walking around with this burden. You've been dealing with it. So why wouldn't somebody else be able to take it? And why are you being so weak in the, fa in the face of your pain and your issues? And who cares about your healing process? You don't need to heal. You just need to, you know, buck up and, and move through it. And so, so much of that and so many of those people, and this is where we, I think, will start to transition into, you know, thinking about for our, the, the last segment that we have, social and collective traumas, right, are that, you know, when you get enough people who have been hurt or been put in a certain position or whose lives and, and, and experiences have been shaped and curated in a very particular way, then you start to see patterns and patterns become endemic and endemic begins to enforce us to look at systems, the systems that enforce us to look at structures. And so all of a sudden, when we look at the fact, because I mean, the bottom line of it all is that we are socially hurting in a bunch of different, but very unique and prolific ways. And so you, the, the healing process, you know, has to be singular. It has to be what we call inductive. It has to start smaller than go out. Um, once we have enough people with the mindset and with understanding how it heals to then shape entire communities, entire societies and entire groups of people. Um, I think- Well, what, before we talk about collective trauma, which certainly is a, a reality, um, you know, and I don't know who I'm quoting here, but um, there's a great quote that nobody is the villain in their own story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And sometimes shadow work is about realizing that you are the villain in that story. Right. That in someone else's life, perhaps you were the aggressor. Right. Or you were the one who caused pain. And, you know, just because, you know, that's why I alluded to the fact that it's really possible and in fact, very, very common for good people to have bad relationships if we've never been taught better. Right. Yeah. Because, um, you know, because you can bring awareness and then compassion to the fact that you maybe only only reacted in that way or hurt that person in you know in that way because it was a reflection of the hurt that you received right and you were projecting out so you know you can't change anything that you haven't accepted right um, going back to that dbt concept so we will definitely talk more about collective trauma after the break this is even we know that on the inspired choices network my name is kat Schwartz. this is latoya green and we will see you after the break Trauma, spirituality, and intersectionality are common threads that tie our life experiences together. Understanding trauma, exploring spirituality as a tool to heal, and looking at it all through an intersectional lens is what makes our show unique. By tuning into Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Kat Schwarz, you will gain valuable insight and clarity on the issues that affect us most, whether you realize it or not. Tune in on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Kat Schwarz. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also send an email to EvenWeKnowThat at gmail.com. Now back to the program. 
Welcome back to Even We Know That. Very excited to close out this conversation with you all that we've been having about healing. Um, if you are interested in this conversation and you came in at the end of it, make sure you listen to all of it and connect some of the dots, some of the breadcrumbs we've been dropping you to the other conversations about trauma, neurodivergence, fat phobia, ego, and intuition that we've been dropping for you. And keep in mind, next week, it's a whole committed discussion to gaslighting, what I will call the buzzword of uh, social media and social justice and different conversations about how to be better people. We've heard that word so many times and we want to unpack some of what gaslighting is and how it appears in our real lives. So tune in for that conversation next week. Um, we were talking about social trauma before we left here. And I'm reminded of social trauma and pulling from a quote from Maliba Safodi, who uh, is a development worker and social commentator on development, identity, and gender issues, uh, and who speaks to global issues from that particular lens. Remember, we keep it intersectional around here. And some of what uh, Maloba, uh, Malobo talked about, or in a quote says, that healing is revolution, healing as activism, healing as social justice, healing as liberation, healing as remembering ourselves, right? Remembering. And I think that act, those acts of liberation, of social justice, of activism, of revelation, of remembering ourselves, it all present opportunities for us to hearken on the things that made us good or make us good, that make us strong, that make us powerful, that make us capable. And all of that is predicated on a relationship to dealing, right? To accepting as we've centered in these conversations. But I don't want acceptance to sound like this laissez-faire, very hands-off, you know, uninvolved process. I think what we've alluded to is dealing with the stickiness of how we've come to, you know, the points that we are right now. So when I look at a society that is plagued by, you know, structural violence in a bunch of different ways, right? I think capitalism is kicking everybody's butts. But not only that, anti-Blackness, is, I won't even say it an all-time high, it just has never really subsided. I think the misogyny that we live through in this country in particular and in this world is something that is frightening and is scary. The uh, uh, ableism that those with both intellectual and visible uh, and internal uh, uh, disabilities, but also people who live in a way that have physical outwardly observable disabilities. I think they are, are, are really struggling in our society to exist. I think we have a gun <laughs> problem in this. Yeah. There was a, a mass shooting today. <laughs> what was your first clue, Toya? Listen, I don't know, every day waking up with a new story because I will open up my eyes today and was up for a little while before I heard news of a mass shooting in Midland, Atlanta mm -hmm. um, that is happening. So us as a society, we have a lot to heal from. We yeah. have a lot to fight for. We have a lot to find liberation in. But I think we also have a lot of healing to do, a lot of collective traumas. And like we talked about, and I was getting at a lot of these small little traumas that have collectivized, have that have come together, that have swollen up and grown in ways that I feel like are out of control in a lot of ways. Kat, what are you seeing in regards to social trauma? Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, we we talked about just the idea that complex trauma in and of itself is a is a public health crisis, right? And that doesn't even touch what we're talking about in regards to gun violence specific to the U.S. In regards to the addiction crisis specific to the U.S. In regards to poverty and anti-blackness and anti-fatness specific to the U.S. Right? You know, um, so. So yeah, I mean, as as uh, clearly uh, U.S. citizens over here, you know, there's um, there's a lot, although that's certainly not to say that we're the only country in the world dealing with uh, trauma, right? I mean, certainly with the internet, um, trauma becomes a global event as soon as it goes viral on the internet. So, and what you were saying, um, 
That brilliant quote reminded me of another brilliant quote from uh, Glennon Doyle, who says that there is no such thing as one way liberation, yeah. right? When we heal ourselves or when we radically as a society decide to heal, right, which, you know, it could be taken as laissez-faire to say that healing is about acceptance. If you ignore the fact that, you know, we went on to say that you cannot change anything that you haven't fully accepted, right? If we want to sit here and plenty of people do and pretend that everything's fine, <laughs> right? You know, uh, what's besides that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, it is racist. <laughs> there's so many fires to be put out here, whether it's in our, um, in our personal lives with our own, um, with our own personal whether it be personal or spiritual healing or collectively, right? There's so much work to do, but the first part of any or the first step to solving any problem is acknowledging that problem, is naming the problem, is saying the quiet parts out loud, right? That we have a real problem here in regards to collective trauma um, and personal trauma, right? And they go hand in hand, right? Because as we said earlier in the show, you cannot expect individuals to take on the onus of uh, healing societal problems, right? There's only one, um, there's only so much that one of us can do, right? I, think, I believe it's an African proverb that, you know, um, one person, uh, I, I'm gonna totally mess it up here, but in, <laughs> in regards to that, you know, um, you know, little by little, a little becomes a lot. Yeah. Many hands make light work, I think is definitely. Sense part of at least a, a similar quote that I've heard is that similar, many, very like, similar and and um certainly complimentary so so right I think it's um you know there's only so much that uh you know you and I <laughs> right mm-hmm. or any two individuals um can do but when we are willing and brave enough to acknowledge the the scope of a problem and all of our collective responsibility to come together and support each other in the healing of that, right? This is not individual work. This is, you know, self-care really is community care, right? Yes. I and mean, we cannot take care of ourselves without taking care of our communities. Facts. I mean, and and, and I'm also, and I'll close it out here by just alluding to a, uh, I think an Audrey Lord quote that specifically speaks to the ways that healing and rest, right, go hand in hand and are essential components of revolution. So as we attempt to push forward and take the issues that we want to champion and put them on our shoulders and, and fight for our communities and for our society, make sure that healing and rest are a part of the regimens that you've had. We've had an invite, insightful conversation. Um, if you want to keep track of all of our conversations, make sure you download that Inspire Choices uh, Network app from your Apple store, from your Google Play store, from wherever you uh, get your apps, wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you look for, even we know that, particularly on the Inspire Choices website, uh, ICN has a website. If you go ahead and find Inspire Choices Network, you can listen to our voices and the voices of a bunch of other people. And not only that, if you got some stuff to say, you can have your own voice and your own show on ICN. So check us out on YouTube. Check us out anywhere you listen to your uh, your your productions and watch your po- listen to your podcast and watch your productions. And until next week, this is even we know that. Thank you for listening to the Even We Know That show. LaToya and Kat return Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. 
until then, don't be afraid to say the quiet parts out loud.